to Diamonds and Coconuts with Kimberly Lovey. I am recording live from the Lovey Shack. Today is dedicated to my mommy girls, my mommy friends. So ladies, I'm talking to you on this one. So if you guys are not interested in anything mommy topic, you can change it now. All right. So I want to dive deeper into something that I alluded to in the first episode that I had. And basically, I want to dedicate an entire episode to talking all about the transition into motherhood and how that has affected my career. And um, I don't know, just some of the things that I've learned and want to share with you guys. So um, I'm going to start from the beginning which is, I'm going to start with the way I was raised. So my sister, I know that she definitely feels the same way. So we were both raised the same way. Um, my mom taught us to be independent women, period. And that includes um, financially, emotionally, and my father fully supported that as well and really encouraged independence. So the way we were raised has always been all about you know, focusing on getting as educated as you can, uh, putting your nose to the grindstone and working really, really hard. And basically just believing in ourselves and having confidence. And my, both my mother and my father worked extremely hard to just drive that into us and ingrain it deeply into us. And it worked. Um, and so my sister became a very successful doctor and I um, have some of my own accomplishments and you know I think that her and I are a little bit different than most females out there because I didn't realize this until I had a ring on my finger and I was engaged and it's just funny because I realized that there are two types of women on this planet there are the types of women that just all they do their whole lives is dream of being a mother and a wife and be a homemaker and they just cannot wait to have kids and be married and they've been planning their wedding since they were like 12 and they probably even have like a wedding scrapbook that they have been building for years like I kid you not one of my old roommates like way back in the day she literally had like a several inch thick thick album of like weddings and like all of her like vision boards basically like magazine cutouts and like I was so weirded out. I was like, girl, you don't even have a boyfriend. So anyway, she did eventually get a a boyfriend. I'm not sure if she got married. I'm sure she did, but she was committed. Let me tell you, she was focused on that wedding. Um, So yeah, cut to Brian and I got engaged. And I mean, I just wanted a really big ring. I'm not going to lie. That's all I really cared about. Aside from, you know, the guy, right? That's the number one. So I know that sounds bad, but it's totally honest. I didn't care about a wedding. I wanted a really big ring and I really don't care who judges me for that. It's the absolute truth and that's who I am. So yeah, I did not care about a wedding though at all. I literally try to convince my husband now, I try to convince Brian that we do not need to waste money on a wedding. It's just a waste of money. Why? Like, who are we trying to impress? Like, I don't care. Like, you know, I don't come from a place where I'm trying to impress people. That's just not my jam. So I just, I don't know. I just seemed very stressful, very expensive. And I just 
didn't care. So I pitched to him a few times, like, let's just get married on the beach with our parents and our sisters because we're really close with our families. And then we can go to a nice dinner afterwards. And that's it. Not having it. And I even tried to pitch like a reception, like after with like a couple friends, not having it. So cut to, we did the whole thing. We did the whole wedding. We had a beautiful wedding. We got married at, at this time, it was the St. Regis in, Mon- in Monarch Beach, which is in, um, it's in Newport Beach, basically, or Dana Point, technically. Um, that property since got sold, but we got married um, on the Grand Lawn underneath the rotunda and it was just spectacular I mean it was there was a double staircase moment I mean I can post pictures if you guys are interested but I mean it was to die for and so um yeah so I did it and by the way when I realized we are actually doing this wedding I eventually embraced it and ended up getting you know the full two dresses like I went for it because I'm like okay here we are so you know, we embraced the moment when we were there and we fully enjoyed our wedding day. I can totally do another, um, podcast all about weddings and all about how ours was and whatever, if you guys are interested. Um, but anyway, ours was definitely a moment to dream of. It was, it was a dream come true for even the girl that didn't have the dream. So, you know, the reason why I bring that up is just because it wasn't until I was literally engaged, as I mentioned, that I didn't realize like how, I was so differently wired than so many of these other women. And I know that some of my close girlfriends are just like me. They're, they're women that are career driven. They're, you know, I don't know the, the, the man and the career, the man comes after the career and the independence and the self actualization. Um, and you know, it's not that one is better than the other. Cause that's just not true. It's not true at all. I mean, I see my mother-in-law who was a devoted um, mother, stay-at-home mother, and she's just incredible. She's extremely smart. And um, as I've gotten further and further into motherhood, I've met these women that are, you know, some of them have chosen to be home because they have the, you know, they have the option. And some of them are like, oh, I just hated working and I didn't have anything I was doing that I loved. And then others were like women that, I don't know. They could have easily kept working, but they just have a passion for staying home with their kids. I mean, some of them have master's degrees, you know? I mean, so I definitely think that I've come to learn and respect all different types of moms and they're definitely out there. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of the way you're wired. Like, so yeah. So anyway, so we ended up, um, getting married and I, when it was time to start talking about kids, I said to my mother-in-law and my husband that, okay, I'll have the kids, but who's going to raise them? Cause I'm going right back to work. And my mother-in-law like raised her hand. She's like, me, 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 me. I'm like, great. Done and done. So that was the plan. We got pregnant on our honeymoon, um, in Tahiti again, very, very incredible. We went to Morea and Lataha and, um, Bora Bora. So anyway, that was another incredible <laughs> chapter. Yeah. So anyway, so we have the baby and I'm in a very, um, demanding career and it just, I, I had to travel at the time and you know, it just the whole motherhood experience. Like I didn't realize how all encompassing it was. I thought I could literally just have the baby and then just like keep going with my life and then pass the baby off to whoever. And it kind of worked for a little bit, but then a couple things happened. One, I had no idea how much I was going to love the baby. 
like none. I had never held a baby. I had never changed a baby's diaper. I have no nieces or nephews at the time. I do now. Um, but I just fully underestimated the love that I was going to have for that baby. Like, I know it just sounds so stupid, but it's the truth. Um, and it wasn't until we had the baby and I distinctly remember about a day or two after we had my son Carter and he was crying and I walked up to the changing table and we had our night nurse there and we had, um, and my husband was there and I walked and he, he was crying and I walked up to the table and I got closer to him and he stopped crying and our night nurse said, oh, it's because you're here. I'm like, what? And it's like, I just, I don't know. It felt like a superpower. I had like, I could not believe or wrap my mind around the fact that I just, my presence made the baby be calm. Like I had no idea that was going to be the case. Um, so that's what I'm saying. I was really, really naive about motherhood. And um, yeah, I mean, I just fell in love with the baby. And then, I mean, you guys know, those of you that have had kids, it's just, they just flip your world completely upside down. And I definitely want to say that I had a lot of help, but I also worked really, really, really hard and I was staying home for part of it. Um, so it's not that I was the absentee mother that just kind of left initially. Um, I was very, very committed to breastfeeding and that was incredible. Um, and I probably should get into that actually for a second since I just mentioned the nighters. I want to I want to go deep on this. Let's let's get this straight, right? So I know many of you have not had nice night nurses, and I I don't remember how I even knew to get one, but I can tell you something. I, if I've learned nothing else on this planet, it's important for you to know what you know and know what you don't know. And let me tell you, I knew that I knew nothing about kids, okay? So I was ready to hire someone to help me, and we got burned. So I'll tell you this story. So basically, we cut – sorry if I'm a little bit all over the place, but I'm just kind of going off the cuff here, folks. Um, so I'm just going to tell you the thoughts as they come. And if you don't like it, then oh well. Okay, so here's here's the deal. We have Carter. We're at Cedars. And – by the way, he doesn't have a name for four days, which I can also tell you about, or five days. So we have the baby. We had lined up a night nurse back in November. He was a February baby, end of February. So we had hired this person in advance, given her a lot of money. I'll just leave it there. And she was the deal was she was going to come as soon as the baby was born. The night So as soon as the baby was born, Brian was going to let her know that the baby was born and to... Um, come over to our house the night that we were or whenever we were yeah the night our first night home and so we called the night nurse and she basically backs out on us she says she has a hurt shoulder and she can't work and we never got the money back by the way um so yeah so cut to we get home our first night home with the baby I am up all night long with this baby like the baby does not stop crying um the baby is laying on me we're in this you know in our rocking chair and I remember distinctly like starting to cry at like five in the, sorry four in the morning I remember I was crying in the chair and the baby was just like intermittently like cluster feeding and yeah it was just a nightmare and we finally put him in this little kind of like um, it's called a cocoon baby it's only available in Europe I believe still um, it's kind of like a dock tot so um, I brought him into our bed and like at four in the morning 
and fell asleep until nine in the morning or until like, I don't know, whatever, early, who the heck knows. And then when we woke up, I told Brian what happened. And he's like, something's not right. Like we need to take the doctor to, or we need to call the doctor. We need to take the baby to the doctor. I'm like, seriously? So I like was really surprised by that because I was raised never to go to the doctor. So anyway, so we end up driving to the doctor and I remember they're like, oh, it's baby boy lovey. And they were all excited. Like the whole staff, so amazing. Um, shout out to Dr. Cohen's office in Beverly Hills. They are amazing. The best pediatricians out there. Um, so we walk in and I'm just like a wreck and I'm like, here, you can have them. And they were like, Oh, I'm like, he won't stop crying. They're like, it's okay. It's okay. They were so nice. The staff is like incredible. Um, so anyway, Dr. Cohen basically tells me, Oh, well just, try and you know maybe he needs more food so give him a little bit of this formula it won't derail your breastfeeding experience and I was like formula no you know because we're all like brainwashed to think that that's like the most evil thing ever and so we sure enough give him the infant formula he passes out it's like the little two ounce one you know I think he may have had like half of it or something so anyway, my milk comes in like four days later and I had breastfed for like, I ended up breastfeeding for like seven and a half months. So Dr. Cohen was right. It did not ruin our breastfeeding experience. And I was extremely, extremely committed. So back to the night nurse thing. So we get home, it's now night two. And I, by the grace of God, got this woman's number and she ends up starting that night. Thank God. So this woman comes, I have no idea what to expect from her. We're like very nervous first time parents. We don't trust anybody. And Brian is, ex- he is especially like um, guarded. I'll say that's a great word. He's guarded. Um, he doesn't like strangers in his house. Like he's just very into like security and all this stuff. So anyway, um, we let this woman into our house. She insists on wearing a uniform and it's like a nursing uniform. It's not like, oh, some like bizarre or like, I don't know, stuffy uniform. It's like. Anyway, it's very clean and it's just, it's normal feeling, but I still noted that she insisted on wearing that. Um, So she just came in and just basically was our mommy mentor, mommy and daddy mentor. She taught us everything from how to bathe the baby, which freaked me out, Um, you know, because with a son, you, well, with any baby, you have the umbilical cord for the first like week. And then we also had a breast. So then there was that. So we couldn't fully submerge Carter into the bath so um yeah she taught us how to bathe him she taught me how to breastfeed properly she would check for the latch um and so because I was breastfeeding just to be clear she did not replace me (laughs) okay so it's not like oh you have a night nurse you get to sleep through the night how great well maybe if you're not nursing but I was nursing so I was up every single hour and a half with this baby and with the night nurse and she was basically with me And part of the reason too, is that Brian has his own businesses and went back to work within the first week. So, um, I had nobody to help me at night. So she basically timed, timed me. So like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on each breast. She made sure I had water. She made sure I was eating enough because if you're breastfeeding, you must be number one, hydrated and number two, eating enough fat. And the fat is the important part. And 
you know that your milk has enough fat if it's like creamy and yellowy looking. If your milk is white, sorry, is like translucent and blue, that means that it's kind of like non-fat milk and it's not enough for the baby. And so, yeah, so she just helped us do everything, you know, that you need to know about taking care of a baby. She made sure that we turned him when he was napping so that he wouldn't get flathead. She um, taught me how to pump, which was crazy, like so many parts and it's so overwhelming. She taught me how to store the milk properly, um, labeling it properly. And so for me, the pumping was really, really important because I was going back to work and, you know, going to be at different clients and things like that. So, um, yeah, so storing up as much milk as I could was going to be huge for us so that my baby would be fine when I was not with him. And so she just made us, you know what it was? She made us feel comfortable. Like she made us feel like just like we're not going to freak out, you know? And so anyway, so that's kind of the night nurse thing and just the whole mommy thing just really did throw me off my game. I really did not expect it to be as demanding as it was. Um, it definitely was a little bit depressing. I think it's obviously very, very isolating, which is why I think all these different mommy blogs like are so important in the mommy groups online. It's because, you know, women can connect with each other when they're trapped at home with like particularly younger babies, but really kids in general. And so, yeah, so that was sort of our night nurse experience. And she, oh, I did forget the biggest thing. She also taught us how to sleep train our baby without it being like the hardcore sleep training that your pediatrician advises you to do. So most pedi- most pediatricians advise you to wait until four months. That's like the industry standard, um, four months to sleep train your baby. Well, our night nurse thankfully was able to give us almost like a soft way of sleep training. And so when you Obviously, when you first have your baby, you're doing the whole cluster feeding thing. You're trying to regain the baby's birth weight and all of this. By the way, I'm not an expert. So like talk to your pediatrician on all of this disclaimer, like whatever. I'm not like a MD. I'm just telling you my experience. So, um, yeah, so the sleep training thing, we kind of started around like week six or seven and I don't mean cry it out. Um, all of this kind of enabled us to like not really have to do the hardcore sleep training. That's why I'm such a big fan of it because we did eventually have to do some hardcore sleep training because the baby regressed, but this was like a fantastic approach when your baby's young. So basically the way I see it is that sleep training your baby at four months is just way too late. And the reason I think that is because your baby by that time is already very much in a set schedule that you have enabled and encouraged that schedule. Like you have supported that schedule by feeding at that time, right? Like, let's be honest, like your baby, it's not like, I mean, you're the adult. That's all I'll say about that. So um, what we basically did, and if you're a new mom, this is like such the jam, Okay, so here's the trick. You start, so say you bathe the baby at like 8 p.m., okay? Say you do your bath time routine, start your nighttime routine from the beginning because the baby starts to learn it and they will thrive just knowing that it's time to unwind, just like an adult. Like they're smart. The kids are smart and they sense when it's time. So do your whole nighttime routine, you know, bathe the baby and get them all him or her all cozy for bed and maybe do like some songs and then you can read a book I mean they're a little young at that point so I don't think we did any reading but um 
then do your nursing, nurse the baby with your breast, okay, at around 9 p.m. And don't do any supplementing of the bottle at that time if you guys are topping off. So then what you do is the baby, so you put the baby down at like 9, 9.30, then let the baby sleep. Hopefully the baby will sleep till about like somewhere between 11 and, and midnight, 11 p.m. and midnight. And if the baby, for whatever reason, sleeps longer, which is highly unlikely, but if they are, then you wake them up at midnight. So what you do is you do what we called a dream feed. So this is exactly what you do. You do not turn on any lights, okay? So you have to learn how to like adjust your eyes, maybe put a night light that's not like, that's not um, gonna disrupt the baby's sleep. And then what you do is you have your husband take a bottle of milk and and it can be like formula if you're like really kind of doing both um like say sometimes you give your baby formula already then this would be the, the feed that you do the formula um, but if not you just take like a bottle of your breast milk and make sure it is between two and four ounces because they say for the first two to four months it should be two to four ounces of feed and so anyway um have your husband do that feed and then you can go pump and if you don't want to do that, then you can still breastfeed. But then in, in that case, then have your husband top off the baby with like one or two ounces, again, of either breast milk or formula. And the reason why I say that is because you want to make sure, so from the 9 a.m. feed, that was not like a huge feed. You want to make sure your baby's hungry. So then by midnight, by the dream feed, the midnight dream feed, your baby's hungry. So you feed that baby really, really good give a nice big bottle and hopefully, you know, your, your baby, you know, doesn't suffer from reflux or whatever. And if they do like, please consult with your experts. I'm just giving you like what I learned. So don't, don't crucify me if this doesn't work for you. This is what works for us. And it was fabulous. And we did it with both kids. Um, so then once your baby is down, oh, also when you're feeding the baby, um, with a bottle, make sure you pause after every ounce and give the baby a chance to um, burp. So you burp the baby after every ounce, okay? You don't just like let the baby suck it down because then they could just throw it all up. Um, okay, so then you put the baby down and you know that the baby has, you know, fed really, really well. And make sure, again, that you're burping the baby really, really well before putting it down. And then, yeah, I mean, basically, once you feed your baby like that, if your baby does wake up at like two in the morning, at that point, you know that your baby's not hungry because you just gave him like a full big feeding. And so you can just come in and put on your shusher. You should have the baby shusher. If you don't have that, look it up. It's like $30. It's worth every penny. So if that happens, you come and you just like pat the baby, give him his little pacifier if he takes one and put on the shusher. And if you have a noise machine, like a white noise machine, put that on and just say, shh, and like pat your baby, but don't engage the baby. Do not talk to the baby. Do not hold the baby. Do not look at the baby. Just pat the baby and then the baby will go right back to sleep. And then by then your baby will fall back asleep until probably like 4.30, 5 o'clock. And once you're, once you do that, like four or five nights in a row, your baby will automatically be sleeping from midnight to five, which is insane because you guys all know that the worst, most painful feeding is that 2 a.m. feed, the 1.30, 2 a.m. Oh, that's the worst one. Um, so yeah, so that's what we do. That is what we've done to sleep train our kids. And it 
helped us avoid like the hardcore cry it out and Carter did regress so we did have to do that with him I remember one night he was crying till for like 50 minutes and it was heart-wrenching and I almost gave up and then he finally gave up and passed out it was fabulous um but anyway so that's my tip on um kind of how we did like a light a sleep training light and like I said I really do prefer this over waiting till they're four months because when by the time the four they're four months I mean your baby's in such a hardcore like schedule of like getting up at two in the morning and being fed that just getting out of that is just so so challenging and heartbreaking that um that's why I really really love this um so that is that on the sleep training if you guys have any questions or tips or try it and have feedback like let me know I want to hear from you by the way please subscribe to my podcast diamonds and coconuts I'm on iTunes I'm on Spotify and find me on Instagram at diamonds and coconuts it's diamonds and coconuts on Instagram and um, when you're looking me up on Apple on iTunes it's diamonds ampersand that's that little squiggly and sign Um, diamonds and coconuts with that ampersand in the middle okay so make sure you rate me five stars subscribe tell everyone you know Um, go to my Instagram write me some comments write me some questions do not be bashful Um, and I think I'm going to wrap this for now. I think I'll get into a little bit more on the kind of transition into motherhood because I think that we can keep going on and on about it. But those are some of my hot tips as far as like the night nurses and the sleep training, um, and just kind of how things started off for me. And I think it's a good place to maybe stop. And I look forward to having more discussions with you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and have an excellent rest of your day.